Do you remember your baptism? Some of us who gather for worship today um, were baptized as adults and have first-person memories, but it's probable that most of us do not. You know, many of us were baptized as babies or small children, and so we don't have memories of the event directly. But there are always stories about baptisms. Who was there? What happened? The weather, you know, if there was a party, if grandma came for it from far away, or if Uncle Bob was late, like he always is. If you were baptized as a child, why did your parents baptize you? Was it because of their own faith? Or was it because of the cultural expectation of being baptized? Were they just kind of getting the baby done? And if you were baptized as an adult, what happened that made you choose to live as a Christian? What called you into baptized life? And what was the preparation and experience like? Did you experience God and your faith differently afterwards? The next time you gather with a group of Christians, or the next time you Zoom with a group of Christians, tell somebody a story about your baptism or a baptism in your family and ask them to tell you a story about their baptism or a baptism in their family. How would your life be different if you had not been baptized? I fall more into the category of those who were too young to remember their baptisms than somebody as an adult. I was four when I was baptized, so not old enough to understand it fully, but old enough to know that it was a really big deal. And in the way of four-year-old girls, I remember my dress. It was a pink pleated sailor dress that had this skirt that you could sort of hold out and create wings and pretend I was an angel. What my family remembers is that I was evidently so nervous about the baptism. My grandparents came, my godmothers came, it was a huge stress that I threw up the entire night before. And my grandfather spent the whole service standing next to the priest holding a towel, ready to intervene in case anything unfortunate was going to come out of me. Like all good performers, I did just fine during the actual event. Or maybe it was the Holy Spirit teaching me that life in Christ may seem more intimidating from the outside than it does when you're actually doing it. Nicodemus comes to Jesus in today's gospel with questions about the faith that is being born in him. Nicodemus comes by night. He doesn't want to be seen or overly identified with Jesus. He's a closeted Christian hiding his faith. And by the end of the gospel, Nicodemus will come out of the closet, appearing during the day on Good Friday to bring a hundred pounds of ointment and spices with which to anoint Jesus's body for burial. Nicodemus is on a journey of faith that will end with a role as a courageous evangelist. But it starts here as a closeted Christian with his questions that provoke a conversation about, be, about baptism, about being born anew of water and spirit. Nicodemus has presumably not been baptized. And it's not clear if any of the other disciples were during Jesus's lifetime, or if that was something that really began after Jesus's resurrection. You know, none of the gospels have a story of the baptism of Peter or James or John. And so Nicodemus doesn't understand what Jesus is talking about, but how could he? It seems very, very historically likely that 
Jesus of Nazareth was baptized by John the Baptist. But John's baptism was one of repentance, and it was built upon the Jewish practice of the day and of the present for the need for ritual washing to achieve purity. In the case of John's baptism, the washing was to wash away sins. Jesus is talking about something different than repentance here in this rebirth through water and spirit. Baptism shifts to the rite of Christian initiation after Jesus ascends to heaven. The Great Commission ends the Gospel of Matthew. Go therefore and baptize all nations in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Early Christian texts all seem to agree on this baptism in the name of the Trinity, despite the fret that the phrase Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is never really used in the Gospels other than that. But this is the type of baptism that was known by every person who heard this Gospel of John read to them 1900 years ago. The people who heard this Gospel when it was in its earliest form knew what it was like to be born of water and spirit. They knew what it was to have the bonds of the baptismal community draw them into relationships with people they never would have known in their old lives. Jews met Gentiles, rich met poor, notorious sinners repented and became redeemed leaders. They knew that once they were born of water and spirit, they could give and share what they had with other Christians and have enough. They knew that in their weekly fellowship meal, they would sing and tell stories and break bread and drink wine and go home inspired. And they also discovered that community was hard. If you read the Acts of the Apostles, it's clear that these diverse people did not just get together and instantly understand precisely how to follow Jesus as the church. They argued and they struggled and they were put in prison. They debated and somehow through those birth pangs gave birth to the faith that has been passed down to us. A faith that always begins with the pouring of water and the naming of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And they'll be told that they were told that story, just like the story of Nicodemus was told to early believers so that they could experience again their own enlightenment in reliving their experience of baptism through his conversation with Jesus and his ultimate conversion. And that conversion experience, the gaining of the new spirit in baptism, while it's obviously individual, you know, we baptize one person at a time by name as a unique child of God. But that one baptism has worldwide effects. Today's gospel includes perhaps the most famous verse of the entire Bible, John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. Someone once pointed out to me, however, that we, we shouldn't separate verse 16 from verse 17, which is a really important addition to its meaning. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. The purpose of Jesus, his telos or his end, is not condemnation, but rather salvation. And not just for one person or for a few people, but for the whole world. 
That's why we do all this. That's why we baptize individuals. But, but those individual baptisms are for the sake of the salvation of the whole world. And the world needs some saving right now. And your story, the story of your baptism, is a part of that salvation. So share your story, just like the story of Nicodemus was shared, just like I just shared my story or some of it. You and I have a part in that salvation through our ministry and our prayer and our actions. And thank God for the waters of baptism, which wash away all of our sins and help us be born into a new life where we are truly one. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God of Father and all, and one church, one people. Amen.